0: As you watch this teaching, I would like to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.
1: Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and we have had quite a week talking about the signs we're going to see just before Jesus comes. I wish you could have heard the conversation before the camera just started because we've been talking about monsters and fearful sights at the end of the age, and things descending from the heavens. Because Jesus prophesied all of that in Luke chapter 21, and we're going to talk about all of that next week.
0: I think I know what the signs are descending from the heavens. You do? I think I do.
1: Well, hold on, because we want to know next week when we get to that subject. And monsters. And monsters. All right. You know what? You may not have known that Jesus predicted monsters, but when he said fearful sights... It is the Greek word for monsters. That is the only way that word was used in the first century. Jesus was prophesying the arrival of monsters at the end of the age. What in the world could he be referring to? Well, we're going to give you some possibilities next week in a home group. But tonight, we're going to go on in Matthew chapter 24. But first, I want to say welcome to Denise Renner.
2: Hey, sweetie.
3: Thank you, Rick. Welcome, Home Group.
2: We love you. Amen. Paul, thank you. Friends, if you have not subscribed, please subscribe. Please comment. Comment if this video is going live and you're watching it right now. Comment in the live section. Comment if you're watching it in the recording. Visit renner.org. There's more available for you there. And please send us your prayer request at prayer at renner.org. We... Pray for you, but if you send us your prayer request, we'll be able to be more effective in our prayers because we truly want the Lord to help you. Joel? Well, I just want
0: to say, Hunger, thank you for joining us tonight. And I want to say that every part of the Bible is important. And I don't know very many people who study these verses of the Bible, but I think every part of the Bible is written for a purpose, and we need to understand what the purpose is. We often say that Jesus didn't say these things to scare us. He gave these things to prepare us. And I think we need to know what we need to be prepared for. And I think that's encouraging. And I just encourage you to study these scriptures on your own. Research what they mean. And find people who do study them. I think it's
1: very, very good. Well, you know what? For years, I never taught anything having to do with the last days. Denise, you know, for years and years, people would even asked me, what did I believe about the last days?
3: You never said.
1: I never said. I never took a position because it seemed that it alienated people if they were on the other side. And I want to reach everybody. I didn't want to alienate anybody. And then, maybe ten years ago, God began to really deal with me about the last days. And that as his spokesman, I had a responsibility to speak what the Bible says. And I begin to really dive into the scriptures to see what the Bible says about the last days. What does the Bible say about the rapture of the church? If you want to know what I believe about the rapture of the church, I believe in the rapture of the church. And I really cover it thoroughly in my series called The Coming of the Antichrist. You should get it. Go to our website to order it. That is a powerful series. It will open your eyes. But anyway, I decided what I believed about all of that and... I've been speaking about it for a number of years now. And I wrote a book, which is called Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. And you know what, guys? I wrote this a number of years ago. I'm amazed at how accurate this book is. Wait till you read what I wrote about pandemics. It is amazing. When you read about it, it sounds like I wrote it this year. I wrote it years ago. But you know why? Because Jesus is accurate. Jesus is accurate. You need to get this book, and it comes with a whole series called Signs You'll See Just Because Jesus Comes. You can order them together. You can order them separately, and we're offering you our download for free that goes with it, Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes, and we're also offering you my book called Last Days Survival Guide. The back of the book says, God wants you prepared for these perilous times. We can be prepared. We can survive. We can thrive. There's a reason why we put boots and a Bible on the cover. You've got to grab your spiritual boots, grab the Word of God, and say, hey, we're going to blaze through this season with the power of God and the Word of God. We've been chosen for such a time as this. Can you say amen, guys? Amen. 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 But hey, if you need prayer, we're here for you. We would love to pray for you. As Paul said, just write us. Send us an email. When we hear from you, we know how to more effectively pray. You can write us prayer at runner.org or call us 1-800-742-5593. But guys, tonight we're going to go back to Matthew 24. Are you ready? Let's go there, Denise. Let's go. Matthew 24, we've already seen in verse 3. And as he sat up on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Let's cover those five words real quick one more time. What were they really asking Jesus? First of all, they said when. The word when is a Greek word pote. It means exactly, precisely when they were seeking a concrete answer. Then they said what? shall be the sign of thy coming. The word what, the little Greek word T, describes the most minute, minuscule detail. They were saying exactly, precisely. We do not want a vague answer. We want to know precisely what will be the sign of thy coming. The word sign, the Greek word simeon, which describes a road sign that tells you where you are on your journey. So they were saying, Lord, if we're on a prophetic road to the end of the world, how do we know where we are on the journey? What are the signs to tell us how far we've gone and how much further we have to go? Give us a sign. And in Greek, there's a definite article, and it's singular. They just asked for one. But Jesus gave them many, many, many signs. Many. And then I said of the end of the world, the word end, the Greek word delays, which means the wrap-up, the summation, the conclusion, the word world, the Greek word, Ionis, the end of the age. The world is never going to end. It's going to be changed. It's going to be changed by fire, the Bible says. But it's never going to end. God has an eternal plan for the world. But the age we're living in is going to end. Now, we're living in an age called the last days. Some people call it the church age. Some people call it the age of grace. Those three terms can be used interchangeably, it started on the day of Pentecost. And in Acts chapter two, verse 17 and 18, Peter prophesied and he said, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And of course, on the day of Pentecost, that happened. The Holy Spirit was poured out and that triggered a season, an age called the last days. And for 2000 years, We've been living in the last days, and it just so happens that now we're living in the final slither of that age. Is that amazing? Yes. And the disciples' question was, Lord, how will we know when we come to the very, very end of the road to the end of that age? And Jesus answered and said unto them in verse 4, Take heed that no man deceive you. So there's going to be worldwide deception. Verse 5, For many shall come in my name. Same, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Deception will try to even get inside the church. Verse 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. This word rumors is important. The Greek word, akoe, which is the word for the ear, it describes nonstop information, ears buzzing with information. Really, it's the information age that we're living in. But see that you be not troubled, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Verse 7. For nation shall rise against nation. We've seen this word nation, the Greek word ethnos. One ethnic group rising against another ethnic group, against the Greek word epi. Not just wanting to have the upper hand, but wanting to smash and decimate the other group. It's amazing. Then he said kingdom against kingdom. Kingdom basileia. He carries the idea of different spheres of influence, kingdoms, even ideologies, warring, political factions. Again, the word against, the Greek word epi, not just superiority, but wanting to decimate the other. This is a day when uncivil behavior rages like we have never imagined it before. And of course, we're seeing this today. It's being played on the TV screens and the internet right in front of us. Have we ever seen behavior like we're seeing today? It's like the day of gentlemanly disagreements. It's just gone. It's just gone. People are trying to decimate each other. And Jesus said that would be a sign of the end of the age. Then he added, Okay, you guys ready? Here we go. And there shall be famines and pestilences. Well, some people said famines. There have always been famines. Yes, there have. But Jesus said, There shall be. He wasn't talking about present conditions. He was pointing to the end of the age. And that was the question the disciples asked. What will be the signs we come to the end of the age? And he said, there shall be at that time famines. The word famines, okay, are you guys ready for a revelation? It is the Greek word limos. But here it is limoi, which is plural. It describes multiple famines, multiple famines, a scarcity of grain, for deficits of all types, including financial deficits and shortages. All right? Now, let me read to you from this book, Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. Famines are certainly not new, as there have been many notable famines in world history. But according to Jesus, there will be a scarcity of food in many parts of the world toward the end of this era, just before he comes. Well, my friend, there really is famines today. The word famines comes from the Greek word that literally describes a scarcity of grain. Because the word is used in plural, it depicts multiple famines and multiple scarcities that will occur simultaneously in various parts of the world at the very end of the age. It not only refers to physical hunger, and it's true that there is physical hunger, but it also includes much more than that. But let me say a word about physical hunger the day that we're living in. Right now, there's nearly 8 billion people on the planet. Almost 1 billion people go to bed hungry every night. Think about that number. 1 billion people who are malnourished because they do not have enough to eat and you know what contributes to this one of the biggest contributors wars and rumors of wars because of wars major people groups have been displaced they've been evacuated they fled for their life they've lost their jobs and not only did they lose their jobs they got sick with pestilence and famine in the process of moving and huge populations that are in movement starving all of these things are interconnected. And I just want to read you two verses that I think really have relevance for us at the end of the age. In Proverbs 19, verse 17, Proverbs says, "...he that has pity upon the poor lends to the Lord, and that which he hath given will the Lord pay him again." Proverbs twenty one thirteen says, "...who still stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor..." He also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. And these verses tell us that if you're a Christian living at the end of the age, then you're going to have a unique opportunity to do something for people that are hungry. And we have a responsibility to do something. You say, well, I don't know how to do something. Then find an organization in your city that feeds the poor. Today, there's a lot of hungry people in your nation It's not just people in Africa anymore. Right in your nation, there are people that do not have food to eat. There are people all over the world that have been displaced. They don't have food to eat. There are wonderful ministries who feed the poor. They're doing wonderful humanitarian work. And I think that we have a Christian responsibility to do our part to help people that are hungry. Jesus would do that, and we need to do that. And the Bible says, when you lend to the poor, you lend to the Lord, and the Lord will repay you. And if you don't respond to the poor, when you get in trouble, your prayers will not be heard. That's pretty strong. That's why in Moscow, we have an outreach to help people that are hungry. We feed people that are homeless. We have that Christian responsibility, and we need to do more, and we're doing our best. Amen, Amen, Paul.
2: Amen. But when you talk about famines and you talk about how that word is connected specifically to grain, the economic systems of those days were connected to the value of grain. Well, that's the next point, Mr. Renner. Listen to this. Similar to how our economic systems are connected to the price of oil. Or the stock market. Or the stock market. Back then it was connected to the price of grain. Okay,
1: if you think this word famine only has to do with food, well, it partly has to do with food, It's a scarcity of grain. The economy of the first century was based on grain. Just like the world economy today is, Paul said, based on oil. Well, if something happens in the oil market, it affects world economies. If there was a famine of grain in the first century, it would have been devastating. Listen to this. What else did this word famine mean in Jesus' time? And what does it mean for the day in which we live? Hmm. The word famine describes a scarcity of grain. The economies of Jesus' day were largely based on grain. That is one reason why nations like Egypt were considered to be so prosperous. They had a lot of grain. Egypt in particular was a huge source of grain in the world at that time. But just think what would have happened... If Egypt had experienced a famine of grain, a scarcity like that would have plunged the economies of the world at that time into chaos. In the ancient world, economies were based on grain, so a shortage of grain would have resulted in an economic shaking. A shortage of grain would have financially debilitated the Roman Empire in the same way that a crash in the trade markets would affect the world today. So when Jesus used the word famines to depict widespread hunger in the last days, he was additionally forecasting a time that would come at the very end of the age when economic shortfalls and deficits would be so immense that these financial famines would affect global economies. This is a prediction of financial instability at the end of the age. And if you go to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus says there shall be famines and troubles, which means troubles are going to be connected to these financial shortages. It describes those that are stirred up, troubled, agitated, anxious, or upset. It can be translated as the word distress distress. Because Jesus used the word famine in the plural, it also lets us know that financial shakings will be repeated again and again. He was prophetically forecasting financial instability becoming more and more common as we draw closer to the end of the age. The earth at that time in history will experience a time of being financially troubled, financially stirred up, agitated, anxious, anxious and upset. So in addition to hunger itself, which is also a reality, Jesus was forecasting deficits, economic shortages, and financial hardships.
2: Not so long ago, I was listening to the radio, and it was a financial program. I like to listen to the radio when I drive, and uh, and they were talking about a financial crisis. But then they said the financial crisis of this year and the financial crisis of that year and then the recent financial crisis. And towards the end of the program, I was confused. Which financial crisis were they talking about? They said, we didn't recover from that one because we didn't have enough time to recover from the previous one, and now it's going to be difficult to recover. I was like, how many financial crises can you talk about in one radio program? There's a lot.
1: Plural. That's what Jesus said. It's plural, famines, scarcities, deficits, shortfalls. But I want us to go on because Jesus adds in Matthew chapter 24, verse 7, and in Luke 21, verse 11, and says, there will also be pestilences, pestilences. Okay, we've been dealing with COVID. We've been dealing with pestilences. And there have been many pestilences in world history. There have been events far worse than the one people are dealing with right now, but this one has been global, has totally different ramifications. What does that word pestilence mean? Listen to this. It is a medical term that described disease. However, here it is used in the plural form, which means Jesus predicted a phenomenon would develop at the end of the age in which multiple sicknesses, multiple sicknesses and diseases, would simultaneously appear the planet is already being i wrote this before any of this pandemic began listen to this the planet is already being hard hit with multiple diseases that are decimating populations all over the world even if cures exist medicines and supplies to deal with the avalanche of disease spreading throughout the human race are often in short supply Even today, they don't have enough vaccine to take care of the population. In addition to normal strains of disease that medical science regularly combats, today science is struggling to fight the onslaught of newly emerging infectious disease. These are often actually old diseases that have had life breathed into them again. Such re-emerging diseases have the potential to affect Massive populations across the earth and cures for these are frequently more difficult to find. Since we're living at the time of the last of the last days, it behooves us to know what the Bible promised regarding healing. This is our moment to rise and lay hands on the sick. Amen. Amen. But now listen to this. The World Health Organization wrote this. This is right from their website. Listen, in this stage of history, this is not theologians speaking. This is the website of the World Health Organization. In this stage of history, professionals predict that directly before us, look when I wrote this book, this book was published in 2018 before any of this started, that directly before us, and I was writing in 2018, will be the emergence of new infectious diseases and the reemergence of old diseases that will have a significant impact on health. A number of factors will influence this development. Trade, travel, microbiological resistance, human behavior, breakdowns in health systems, and increased pressure on the environment. It is already a fact that infectious communicable diseases are on the rise, my friends. And then I write, a pandemic, this is 2018. A pandemic or pandemic disease is an outbreak that potentially affects world populations. If, 2018, if a new or reemerging strain of this sort erupted, it could easily circulate among humans and rage across the planet as a pandemic. That's what we're experiencing. And Jesus used this word disease in plural, which means there's not just going to be one. It's going to come again and again and again. And that's why I have said on previous home groups, this is not the end of the story. There's going to be another one. And then there's going to be another one. Then there's going to be another one. And I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news. Jesus is the one that said it. I'm just affirming what Jesus said. And dear home group and dear runners, this is why we need to know The safety provisions in the 91st Psalm. Amen. We have protection. Listen to what it says Psalm 91. Are you ready, Sister Denise? I'm ready. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen. If you're walking with the Lord and you're in his shadow, you have protection. Verse 2 I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. My fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Verse 3, Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. If there's ever been a psalm for the last days, this is it. Verse 4, He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Verse 5, Thou shalt not be afraid. For the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, verse 6, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday, verse 7. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. And I can hear somebody saying, well, wait a minute. I know somebody who loves Jesus, and they died of COVID. Well, that is very unfortunate. So many people have lost loved ones. We need to pray for them. We need to support them. But that doesn't change the fact that you need to claim this verse for yourself and your loved ones. You need to say a thousand will fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it's not going to come nigh me. Engage your faith. Don't let what's happened to others hinder you from using your faith for yourself and for your family. Only with those eyes shall they behold and see the reward of the wicked. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord. Which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. Verse 10 There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Verse 12 They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Denise and I quote these and claim these all the time. Verse 13. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Verse fourteen. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Verse fifteen. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. Verse sixteen. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. I have a question to our sons, Denise. How many times have you guys heard me quote that last verse over you?
2: Countless. Countless times. Almost every time we left the house, especially going to school, quoted it and quoted it and quoted it. Getting on airplanes, getting on a
0: bus, getting on a train, countless times.
1: Even today when you leave our house, I say with long life, will he satisfy you and show you his Salvation. That salvation includes health, healing, preservation, safety, soundness. He wants to show us all of that. He really wants us to have it. And in these last days, when Jesus predicted, told us emphatically, there's going to be pestilence all around the world, we need to dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. I just want to say a word about that. You know, if Denise and I were standing by each other, if she wanted to be in my shadow, she would have to stay really close to me because if I move, she'll no longer be in my shadow. The only way Denise can stay in my shadow is if she walks close to me. Then she'll be in my shadow. And if you're going to stay in the shadow of the Almighty, it means you have to draw really near to him. You've got to walk with him. You've got to draw so near to him that you're always in his shadow. Abiding in the shadow of the Almighty is intentional. It is very intentional. Denise?
3: This is your authority, that you have a safe place. And it's our choice every day to find that time to fellowship with the Lord, to commune with Him, to learn who He is, to learn who He's not. And that just, because we're one spirit with Him, and nobody knows, it says it's a secret place, and nobody knows if you're in the secret place or you're not, because it's a secret, but God knows, and He loves it when we come and dwell with Him. Mm. You say, well, aren't, aren't I with Him all the time? Oh yeah, you're with Him all the time, but you know, Rick and I, we live in the same house together, but there's something special, we're, we're with each other, but there's something special. When we just come together and talk and be together on purpose. And that's what we need to do. with If we're going to be strong in these last days, that's where we need to find our strength is in that secret place.
1: Honey, that is awesome. Well, time is up. It's Friday night. We want you to have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday night. And we're going to continue looking at the rest of the signs we'll see just before Jesus comes. Sleep well. We'll see you Monday. Bye-bye.
0: If that teaching helped you, would you please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.